0: for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Clap offering tonight. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Fantastic. Well, I want you to remain remain standing to welcome uh, Pastor Rob as he comes to minister to us tonight. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, team. Thank you very much. Oh, you can be, say, thank you, guys. thank you, guys. Hey, real quick, go ahead and be seated. Where's this, this young lady here on the flute? That, is that a flute? Okay. I was watching you, and that is more than, that's an extension of you. And there's an anointing that's coming through you every time you play that. It's very powerful. And I just want to encourage you tonight, as God told me to do that, to tell you, just to continue, because there's a healing anointing every time you pick that thing up and you begin to use that instrument, your heart begins to come through and the heart of God comes through as a result of it. And there's, there's miracles and there's, a, there's something bigger that's going to begin to happen in your life every time you play that instrument. Lord, just thank her right now. Just thank her and I thank you for the anointing and the presence of God. That that instrument is more than just an instrument, it's an extension of her life, to bring your anointing and your healing to the hearts and lives of people and continue to use it and bless her in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, give the Lord a hand clap. Hey, thank you, God. Thank you, everybody. Praise God. Um, Real quickly, uh, you know, we got these USBs. If you haven't gotten one of these yet, there's 20 series or 19 series. I think 117 messages. I always forget. Something like that. It's over hundred. I mean, it comes out to like fifty cents a message, something like. But it's it's uh, they're they're fifty bucks. I don't. I didn't even do the math. But there is so much on that. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? When I got saved, we had cassette tape recorders. You know how much? You know how many cassettes I'd have to purchase to get all those things? I'd have a, have a trunk full of them. And and you know, and that's what happened. Literally, when I got saved. I didn't I didn't know I was a Catholic. I didn't know the Bible at all. And and so I would hear, I bought all these I took a half a month's paycheck and I bought all these teaching tapes. Heard them six hours a day, seven days a week. In a year and a half, I was in full-time ministry. I overdosed myself <laughs> with God's word. I didn't know anything. And I sit down hearing them and hearing them and hearing them. I had a little cassette recorder that about the size of a briefcase It took six D batteries. Took everything just to, and, and I would just drain them. And then I'd throw them on the floor of my car and buy new ones and crank that thing up again. I kept hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. Wake up, hearing it, go to bed, hearing it. Amazing, amazing. And now you can do the whole thing like that. You couldn't do that before. So the that's why the Bible talks in, uh, in um, Proverbs that it says purchase wisdom. Purchase it. See, wisdom's always in the feminine gender, never in the masculine. And the reason why women, uh, 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 it, God always refers to wisdom as a woman. And there's a reason for that. Because no woman will give herself to a man until she totally knows that he has given himself to her. She'll never expose her thoughts. She'll never open up her heart. She'll never open up, up who she is until she first knows that he has eyes only for her. And wisdom will never divulge its secrets until it knows that you have eyes for nobody else but wisdom. That's why, you, that's why it says to purchase it, to buy it. Anyhow, are you ready? I said, are you ready? Okay, I want to talk. I wanna, this, is, this is something that just had burnt in me in the last uh, several months. And that I, I titled it organic Christianity. The word organic is a popular word now. Anyhow, I like organic food. So, so, I put organic, organic Christianity. I was uh, my wife and I a few years ago. We we do some work in Mozambique, and Mozambique's on the you know it's it's, uh, it's on it's in East Africa. Huge coastline. It's over 2,000 kilometers of coastline. And anyhow, we were way up in northern Mozambique, in a a, a town called Nacala, and from there we were going to take. They wanted to take us to this this little island, and and. Uh, and prior to, in the boat, I mean, these boats were the same boats that Jesus used on Galilee. No, I'm serious. They're all handmade out of wood. And they had this like sail thing that, that somebody made and you get on it and you just take off. And there are all these locals on it and you're just hanging onto the edge and and so on and so forth. But what they told us was, now we're going to get over this island. There was a little Church that they had put under a mango tree, and we were going to go over there on a Sunday and just gather under the mango tree and preach to these locals. But they told us, they said, "Now the strongest strain of malaria that exists is over there." <laughs> That's comforting, comforting, comforting. <laughs> and so, and now, now you got to understand something about me. I've been around a lot of malaria. So malaria, you know what they do in in, in uh, 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 what you know they do doing. I think Australia is an antibiotic for malaria, which is next to worthless. But in the States, they'll do, um, um, I forget what it's called now. But what it does, it's almost every drug and every pharmaceutical that tries to kill malaria is ineffective. It can kill them up to a point. But malaria is alive. Drugs are synthetic. They've been produced. They don't have the ability to change. So they can kill a strain but the problem is malaria can change its strain. So you can kill it one time, and then that, then that thing will come back, and it'll, it'll morph. And when it morphs, the strain will change, and the pill you took to kill it the first time doesn't work the second time because it's morphed. It outsmarted the drug because the drug is synthetic. The drug is dead. The drug is produced. It's made in a pharmaceutical lab. It only works a few times, then it stops working. So we went over there, but there is one thing that you can take that will beat malaria every single time. It's called artemeter. It's from the Chinese wormwood. It goes back thousands of years. It's living, it's organic. And it, it can shift, it can find the strain of malaria, morph itself to that strain, no matter what it does, and kill it. And it's going to do it in three days. The whole trick is to make sure you do it right well, as soon as you get malaria, you know, because you, it will proliferate itself in your body. So you got to do it right away. And it will do it in three days. You take it three times a day, three days, bam, it's gone. So... When you go over there, you have to, they always give you these instructions afterwards because it has a two-week incubation period on what malaria the symptoms are. Then you take the course and you take it home with you and so on and so forth. Now, the reason why I said that is because evil morphs. Evil has the ability to shift. Evil has the ability to change. It always morphs because it's not dead in itself. It's actually living. And when we try to kill evil with a processed Christianity, it will outsmart it every single time. Christianity by nature is cannot be produced, cannot be processed, cannot be sterile. In its very nature, when you see Jesus introducing it, it has to be organic. That's why he compared it to a river. He compared it to an artesian well. He compared it to wind. It blows. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. It cups out of the ground of its own power. It's a river that keeps on flowing. It's organic in its nature. And until the church begins to grab hold of the organicness of Christianity, it tends to morph itself into a process concept and tries to kill evil was something that can't do it and the evil will outsmart it every single time and come back at you. So Christianity by nature has got to be organic. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be real. It's got to be something every single... Are you with me so far? It can't be this sterile thing. And there's always that danger that all of us face. All of us face it to where we, we can slip back into a processed mode. We know what to do, when to do it, what to say, when to say. It's processed, and it stops working after a while. It gets dry. I used to love glazed donuts. In fact, my wife found some. They were as big as a wheelbarrow tire. Oh, yeah, they were the biggest glazed. I knew they were that big, that big. Oh, my God. I could. And I used to, I don't eat them much. I don't eat them anymore. But I used to, I could eat a dozen of them. My God, I, and the problem with a the glazed, they look so good when they're coming out. I mean, when the, when, the, when the light hits that glaze, it sparkles, glistens, and it calls out. I'm getting hungry, right? It calls out to you. But the problem with a glazed donut, if you, leave, if you don't eat it right away, the next day, it's worthless. The glaze disappears. You don't know where it goes. I mean, it just dissipates. And the thing is stale, ugly, and shriveled. you got to eat it right now. Christianity can get stale. It It can lose its sparkle. It can lose its glaze. If we let it just sit there, something begins to dissipate. There's something that we need to do to make that thing real and alive. Because only in the, the, and and I I say this because I I almost get concerned sometimes in Western culture because we get so produced. We can create so many processes. We seemingly have the answer to everything. I'm telling your pastor not to, uh, Steve and I were talking, Master Steve and I were talking, this young kid that I know, he's uh, raised in Mexico, he's American, but he was raised down there. She's bicultural, bilingual. Which, which uh, is really your advantage in Mexico if you're if you're um, bicultural, and so he went down there and he took this entire church planting format with him, went to the uni- a university city called Puebla, beautiful city, university city in northern Mexico, and did everything by the book, and failed. And this kid can preach. I mean, listen, he is talented. He is he, he's a musician. He had a whole team. He had this whole thing. I mean, he went from 700 to 35. Opened up with 700 people and then just went straight down Month, week after week after week. After, he kept calling me up. He's I don't know what I'm doing. And then an earthquake hit southern Mexico. And he used to live down there, so he decides, he just feels God prompting him, and he goes down there, he puts out a social media call, a church that he's never heard of, sends him 25000 bucks for food. He fills up a big semi, gets an army escort, Goes down to southern Mexico, begins to give food away. The mayor of this city of a million people comes out and falls on the ground, repents. He's a backslid Christian, the mayor was. He says, my God, I've departed from God. I need to come back. He sees all and he calls me up. He says, all these things are happening, and I got a dying church over here. I did everything by the book. I did all the processes, all the formulas, everything you can think of. And, and I told them, I said, I, I said, can you get out of the lease? Yeah, I can get out of the lease. I said, then stand up there next Sunday, resign, tell everybody what's happening, go down to southern Mexico and start something he did, got over a 1,000 people already. And he said, I did nothing, I did everything the wrong way. I said, good, God loves it. Because God never did, Jesus never did the same miracle twice the same way. He's new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. He can show up every day. Now, how do you make that shift? Well, the first thing is, to, to me at least, is when I understood that God doesn't give life in years. God doesn't give life in months. God doesn't give life in weeks. There's very little in the Bible said about years, months, or weeks. But there are literally hundreds of references directly or indirectly to days. It's all over the Bible. This is the day the Lord's. It's Everywhere. Give us this day our daily bread. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The Bible is filled with days. God, listen to me. This is a good tweet. God only gives life God only, God only, only gives life in days. He doesn't give life in weeks. He doesn't give life in months. He doesn't give life in years. He only gives life in days. And the average person has 25,000 to 30,000 days. That's all you got. So every day you got a new one. Got a new one every day. And so when you recognize that God only gives life in days, it changes the entire mentality of an individual. If, if we can capture that. Every day when you wake up, that day's never been lived. It's never been experienced. Nobody's ever had that day. That day is a gift that God has given to you. So I, I was reading, I was reading this book, Pastor Stephen. You know, sometimes you read stuff and something jumps out at you. And it was a story. I won't tell you the story. It takes too long. So I'm reading this thing, and I threw the book down. I said, my God, that's why haven't I seen this? I should have saw this 30 years ago. This is about eight years ago, nine years ago. And I thought like, this is power. And in, in short, it was about this individual that was greatly used by God and this young pastor wanted to find out this guy, you know, and the whole thing, it was a tremendous story. But what it was is this individual changed. Psychiatrist said, if you can change the, the first five minutes you wake up and the last five minutes before you go to bed, you can change the nature of a day. If you can change the nature of a day, you can change the nature of your life. Because all your life is is accumulation of days, so you never have to think ten years, twenty years. Plan for the future, but you only live today. You can plan, we're wonderful, but you can only live today. And so, if I can change the nature of a day, I can change the nature of the character of my life. So, when people said all these goals, they 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 look way over here. They don't need to do them. All you gotta do is so, do something now. And so, when I read that, I thought to myself. Psalm 92 said the same thing thousands of years before any psychiatrist ever came up with it. It said when you wake up in the morning, you speak of his, of his loving kindness. When you go to bed at night, you speak of his faithfulness. If you change the nature of the day, you change the nature of your life. You can, it's amazing what happens. So I've been telling people. So I thought, I'm, I can do this. I can do this. So I made a decision eight or nine years ago, I forget when it was that I would not, from that day, I would not wake up and get up. And I tell people all the time, most people get up and then they wake up. Dangerous, dangerous if you drive. (laughs) So what I begin to do is the moment I wake up, I lay there and I invite the presence of God. It changes. See, all I got to do, all I got to do is change the day. If I can affect that day. I can change the course of the destiny of my life. That's all I've got. And so when I wake up, the first thing I do is connect with the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. Welcome him in this room. Lord, thank you for this day. This is a great day. It's going to be a great day. I haven't even lived it yet, but I know it's going to be a great day. This is the day you made. I choose to rejoice this day, to be glad in this day. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You said you'd be with me to the ends of the earth. You're right here, right now. You're in my midst. And I just began to open my heart for that day. We got Siri trying to preach now. I thought that was your girlfriend. I thought it was some woman calling out to you in the near future. You might marry her someday. But so I began to, so when, when I started doing that, it affected me. Are you with me so far? And affected me. And then I decided, then I, I read this story, see. Then, then I decided that I, would, I wouldn't end the day the same way. You see, it's amazing, isn't it, that all of us understand that our physical body picks up debris every day. We just know that. I mean, we're not, we don't stay clean. That's why we practice hygiene, hopefully. People bathe. They shower. They wash their hair. They brush. We we we, because you you can't do it once. And isn't amazing? It's amazing. You've never been in a church where we had to give an altar call for people to take showers. People don't get convicted to take showers. Hopefully, they just do it. But what what amazed me is that the human soul picks up debris. It's called toxicity. Little things. Picks it up every day. And will go sometimes months, years. And this is one of the leading causes of mental illness today in the world. It's the debris picked up in the human soul. Because the human soul is not designed to live under the weight of toxicity. And when it builds up and builds up over a period of time, it'll break. And when it breaks, it floods the body. And it floods the emotions, and that's what creates depression. And so I made a decision that day that by the end of every day I would remove from my mind and my heart every thought, every memory, and every idea that I've had today that's not in harmony with the goodness of God. Any ill will, bitterness, unforgiveness, uncharitable attitude, immoral thoughts, unworthy thoughts, fear, worry, whatever it might be. Purposely, I'm saying it fast, but purposely let God, let the Holy Spirit put his finger until that stuff is cleansed. The number two most prescribed pharmaceutical drug today is a sleeping pill of some type, a sleeping aid of some kind. And I've told people, I said, the reason why people have a hard time sleeping is because of who they're sleeping with. And I don't mean your husband or your wife. What I mean is we go to bed with fear, worry, junk, toxicity. Those things don't sleep. They will keep you awake all night long. Never plan the next day before you go to bed. Plan it at least two hours before you go to sleep and always write it down. Don't think it, ink it. Because the moment you ink it and you get it out of your head, it's on a piece of paper and your mind will go back into peace. Are you with me so far? Yeah. You can change the nature of a day. You can change the nature of your life. And what happens real quickly, you shift yourself from living under expectation to expectancy. And there's a difference between an expectation and an expectancy. People that live by expectation are usually always disappointed. They get into a relationship, they have an expectancy. An expect Excuse me, an an expectation. I have an expectation of what this job will be. I have an expectation of what this relationship will be like. I have an expectation of what the church is going to be like. The problem is it hardly ever meets your expectation. I'll give you a better example. Girls start getting married at the age of two. This is true. Men don't, girls do. They live in this romantic cloud because they hear all these little fairy tale things. So they begin to get married at two. So in their mind, when they actually get married, they, they marry their ex they, they they marry what they what's been revolving in their head. You know, Prince Char whoever he is, he's gonna wake up every morning. He's going gonna, he's gonna, gonna to be breakfast in bed. Rose between his teeth. Champagne breakfast. I mean, they got an image. The problem is, they marry the expectation. They wake up to the real. And the degree of distance between what you thought you were going to get and you get is the level of disappointment. What you wake up to is a guy that throws his underwear in the corner of a room, belches, lets out gas, and drinks milk out of a carton. That's the real. That's the real. Are you with me so far? And that's the level. See, we create our own disappointment because we, we think we're going to get this and we get this, and the distance between the two becomes, and the hardest thing to recover from is, is the disappointment. They ask the boxing Back in the 1920s, Jim Corbett was the number one. He was the heavyweight champion of the world in the 1920s. And they asked Corbett, they said, which punch knocked you out? He said, that's easy. It's the one I didn't see. That's the punch that knocks everybody out. You see, what I'm saying is there's a difference between an expectation and expectancy. An expectation creates life in a box. God doesn't live in that box the Bible says in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, a very unusual scripture I've never heard it preached before, that Jesus showed up in another form. He can show up in any form he wants, any time he wants. But if I'm living life out of, an ex- out of an expectation box that I've created, he's over here and I don't see him, I'm looking at the box. He's showing up over here and I don't see him. Look at the Samaritan, the Samaritan. <laughs> I mean, look at that. The whole world knows about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was one of the greatest opportunities in the world, but it looked like a liability until one guy shows up. You got the Levi walks past, the priest walks past. Liability, liability, liability. I ain't doing anything. Liability. And all of a sudden, this, this uh, Samaritan shows up and see this guy beating bloody and bruised, and he begin to help him. God will show up in forms that we don't see. He'll show up bloody, bleeding, and bruised in a hurting person. He'll show up in a prison. Jesus said, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. So he can show up anywhere, but we're so fixated on that box, we don't see him over here. I brought, I brought hundreds of young people overseas before, hundreds through the years. And they would always ask me, how do we prepare? And I would say, my methodology of preparation is none. Just pray. Because what they always wanted to know is what to expect. And they would create this arena of expectation. And I would promise you it's not going to get met. God's going to show up over here and you don't see it when he shows up over here. You don't recognize that there's this massive opportunity that you can bring healing to somebody. But you're focused on this and you don't see this and you create a level of disappointment. Are you with me so far? But when we have an expectancy, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know God's going to show up somewhere and my antenna's up all day. Where's it going to be? It might be this person, might be that, might be that, might be that. I don't want to put this, God's not going to be in a box. Are you with me? So this organic Christianity. The second thought, I got three of them. I'm going to find out what the second one is. Oh, my God, I'm glad I looked at my notes you got to have days and you've got to have dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction, that's a healthy thing. It makes you prod, it makes you push. If you live all your life satisfied, you won't get anywhere. You've got to get hungry to get places. Dissatisfaction. It's an interesting, interesting thought in the Bible. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, John said, My eyes have seen him, my ears have heard him. My hands have handled him. He is the word of life. Powerful. My eyes have seen him. They hang on that. My eyes have seen him. My eyes have seen him. God uses sight to change people. All through the Bible, sight. That's why the book of Revelation says, Anoint my eyes with eye salve that I might see. Abraham had to see the stars. He had to see the sands of the sea. He had to see something. All through the Bible, when God was going to change the nature and the direction of a person, he had to open their eyes. They had to see something that nobody else saw. So John said, my eyes have seen him. My ears have heard him. My hands have handled him. Now hang on to that thought. You come back in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter uh, 39, to the life of Joseph. Five times in the life of Joseph, you'll find this phrase, and the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. What made the difference? What brought a guy from a prison cell to the prime ministership of Egypt that opened up the way for the the whole nation of Israel to be born? What opened up? It was the Lord was with him. Joseph never said a principle. We love principles. The Bible's full of principles. But he didn't say a principle was with him. He didn't say a great idea was with him. He didn't say a great concept was with him. He didn't say a great philosophy was with him. He said the Lord was with him. The Lord was with them. Now follow me, follow me, follow me. The Lord was with them. John said, my eyes have seen him. My ears have heard him. My hands have handled him. The Lord was with. The Lord was with. What made the difference? The Lord was with Joseph. So let me ask a few questions. Let me ask a few questions. Um, What's your name again? I didn't get your name. Ben. A lot of Ben's around here. You got Ben back there too. Now, Ben, if I were to walk up to you tonight, and I No, 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 and I'd say, I'd say, I want to I want to take you out to dinner. Anywhere you want. I mean, I'm paying for it. Best place in Canberra. What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Hog's breath. I've been to Hogs Breath. But what but what in Hogs Breath? I knew it. I can always sense a steak man. A massive (laughs) steak, and I think, oh man, I got, I got money too. I got money. I got credit cards. I got. I'm I'm paying for it. We want a big one, and then I think, then I think, Ben, Ben, God, man, I forgot, I can't do it. But I want you to go anyhow. Bring anybody you want. I'm still paying for it. And Ben, the only thing I ask, the only thing I ask, when that steak comes, and you can hear the sizzle. You take knife and fork in hand. The juices are permeating. The smell is intoxicating. At that moment, when you put that first bite in your mouth and your saliva glands explode. At that moment, call me up and tell me what it tastes like. Would you do that? Would you just call me up tell me what it tastes like? Man, I appreciate that. Man. Now, let's just say I feel... I'm just going, I'm just overboard in generosity. So I come up to your pastors. These are I mean, you got amazing pastors, and I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Ginger out here, and I'm gonna we, we all four of us. We're gonna go. I want to take you guys on a holiday. I mean, a good one. Anywhere. And I'm paying. I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it. And we're gonna fly first class. We're not gonna get in that cattle car back there, man. We're gonna be in those lied down seats. Where do you want to go? Where Where do you guys want to go? Anywhere? No. 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 <laughs> They'll pick something better. Where do you want to go? Where? No, no. Pick something better. Fiji. Fiji. Is that all right with you? Damn. <laughs> Fiji. Fiji yeah. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll, t- we'll just say Fiji. And then I think, I think to myself, oh, my God. I just, I don't know why I did this. I can't, I we can't, I can't, I can't make it. But I want you guys to go in here. I'm still paying for it. I want you guys. And the only thing I ask. So when the sun is setting, you're walking along that beach. The sky is turning bright red. And that sh- breeze is gently blowing through the palm trees. At that moment, call me up. Excuse you. <laughs> call me up. Will you call And just tell me what it's like. Would you do that? Would you do that? Would you do that? Okay. Andrew, come on up here, buddy. Right here, right here. Now, you got a good friend right here? You got a good friend here? Yeah, yeah. Who? Oh, what's your name? Come on up here. Huh? Joe? Joe. 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 Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, now, Andrew, stand right here. Let's just say, let's just say, let's just say that this is the year that you meet the girl. Of your dreams. And somewhere in the course of dating and the progression that naturally takes place, you come to that place where you've asked her to marry you. And Joel, right here, becomes your best man. (laughs) Pastor Steve is about to do the ceremony. And he comes to that place in the ceremony where he says, Andrew, Andrew, you can kiss the bride. And all of a sudden you look at your watch and you say, wait a minute, I've got an appointment. So you turn to Joel and you say, can you kiss her for me? And the only thing I'm asking is after you've kissed her, call me up and tell me what it's like. Would you do that? No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do Of course you wouldn't do that. Now, listen to me. I don't want to know what the steak tastes like. I want to eat it. I don't want to know what the beach of Fiji is like. I want to go there. And when I got married, nobody kiss my wife but me my eyes have seen him my ears have heard him My hands have handled them. God is not an idea. He is not a philosophy. He's not a concept. He's not a principle. Until there's a dissatisfaction strong enough in me to press in and sense and feel and touch and taste. He said, taste and see the Lord's good. I'll tell you what what turns young people off. They go to something. They never touch God. They never hear God. They never feel God. God has to be experienced. And when he's experienced, it changes the human heart but it's not a one-time thing it's a it's a consistent thing you have to press in until you feel the presence of God you can taste the presence of God you can touch the presence of God and when that happens it changes Christianity changes your faith I'm telling you the way I uh, 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 every young person I've done all kinds of youth conferences through the years young people want to see God they want to hear him they want to touch him. They want to taste and see that he is good. The third thing, third thing, there has to be a, a destiny, a sense of destiny that's filled with passion and purpose. Now I want you to listen to me. The nation of Australia is extremely good in the summer Olympics. In fact, per capita, Australia wins more medals in the Summer Olympics than any nation on earth. I bet you didn't know that. I look at the charts way up here. Per capita, per capita. You only got 25 million people. Per capita. Amazing. But when it comes to the Winter Olympics, you guys suck. Until, until a guy came along by the name of Stephen Bradbury. (laughs) And Stephen Bradbury changed the history for the Winter Olympics in the nation of Australia. Now, what most of you might not know about Bradbury is that prior to the Olympics, he was impaled by another skater, lost four liters of blood, had 111 stitches. But he got up, and he continued, healed up, got up, healed up, and continued to skate. A few years later, he broke his neck. Doctor told him, you'll never skate again. But in February 16th, 2002, Salt Lake City, Utah, in the Winter Olympics, Bradbury shows up. He wasn't that good. But it's amazing that when a person senses a destiny, they don't have to be the best. When a person senses inside of them, God put me here for something bigger. They don't have to have the greatest talent. They don't have to have the greatest gifts. But somewhere in that sense of destiny, they find a purpose. That pushes them. They went to the semifinals. Five guys skate the 1,000-meter speed skating indoor. They go to the semifinals. He comes in third. That won't do anything. you got to place first or second to move on. When all of a sudden, the guy that came in second was disqualified. It moved Bradbury to the second slot. They went to the finals. We had Ono from America. He was our best guy out there. Five of them lined up. 1,000 meter. You can watch the video. They're making the circle. Every time they make that oval, Bradbury gets a little further behind. The four of them are coming in tight. I mean, they're tight. They're in those corners. They're tight as a drum. They're moving. Bradbury's a little further behind. They make that oval again. They're getting tighter and tighter and tighter. They come to the final lap. Four of them are all bunched up right here. Man, they're making their move. They are making their move. Ono's there. He's pushing this thing. They're all crunched up. Bradbury's half a length way back there when all of a sudden the Chinese skater falls to the ground. And when he did, it took out the whole Pack of them Bradbury's eyes get as big as coffee saucers. he recognizes for the first time, my God, God, heaven I'm about to be I'm the only guy left, and he flies across that finish line and he takes gold for the nation of Australia now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Ecclesiastes, listen to this, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11. you've ever seen a scripture before that depicts Bradbury, there it is. He said, I have observed something else under the sun. Look at this, I love this, I love this. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. That's good news for all of us. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. I love this scripture. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Watch this. It is all decided by chance by being in the right place at the right time. See the word chance? Not in the Hebrew. It's the word quora. There's no such word in the Hebrew language as chance or coincidence. Quora means a God-appointed time. And it's the guy that senses. It's the gal that senses on the inside of their heart that there's a destiny to my life. There's something bigger on the inside of me. I wasn't made to lay down. I might not be the most gifted. I might not have the most talents. I might not have the most education. I might not have the most influence. I might not have the most money, but there's something in me that's causing me to get up again. I might get impaled, but I'm going to skate again. I might get a broken neck, but I'm going to get out there again. I'm going to keep showing up. And when you Are you hearing me? Are you listening to me? When you keep showing up, when you keep showing up, something happens on the inside, and that's when you will run into a God-appointed time. God starts sending up. He sees that one out there that says, my God, that guy won't give up. That guy keeps showing up. That guy keeps going up. He keeps getting up and getting in the race again. He's about to run into a God-appointed time. That's what makes the difference. So I'd say to everyone in here that you could get knocked down, but you're not knocked out. The Bible said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. I'm going to get back up and get back in the game because this thing's not over with yet. There's something in me. My life's not over. My not, there's, there's another chapter about to be written. There's another page about to be turned. I'm not, I'm not going to lay down, sit down, and talk about what was going on years ago. I'm going to get back up and go after this thing again because I'm going to run into the greatest God-appointed time. That's what Bradbury did. That's why I think this guy's cool. I know you guys don't like him, but I like him. I've always liked Bradbury. I mean, this guy made history because he wouldn't give up. He knew, and he went around to Australia from that day since. He went around and said, follow your passion. Follow your passion. Follow your passion. And I'm here to tell you, follow your passion, because you've got a God God, divine destiny on the inside. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. I want us to pray. Because I believe there's people in here right now that would just say, my God, I've kind of laid down too long. I've been lax in my faith and in my Christianity. I've just kind of coasted. Or maybe I've just kind of settled for something that God doesn't want me to settle for. I've just maintained the status quo. But I believe the spirit of God is igniting. The Bible said that God's word is a fire, a hammer, and a sword. It wants to burn, it wants to break, and it wants to pierce. And until we sense that, till we on the inside have a dissatisfaction with where we are, I call it a divine dissatisfaction. When people read Paul's writings in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul said, In all these things I have learned to be content. They think the word content means satisfied. It doesn't. It means held together. Paul was never content. A guy that was beat, three separate, beat with rods, stoned and left for dead, beat three times with 39 lashes on his back, shipwrecked and bit by a viper, and said, I've got to go to regions beyond, was a guy that was not satisfied with his life. He lived with divine dissatisfaction. And his contentment doesn't mean he was, it means he was all the time he was moving, he was held together by God on the inside. Held, to, that's what the word means. It means held together. And until we can have that fire come back to where you say, God, there's more. There's more. I'm not going to be satisfied with this. There's more out there. When that raises back within us, my God, watch out, devil, watch out, world. So I'm going to say something right now. If you're in here tonight and you would say, that's me, I want you to come down, I want to pray. I want you to come down here right now. Just come. Just jump out of your chairs and come down here right now because there's something burning on the inside of people. There's something stirring on the inside of people. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let that, the ease of Western culture lull you and I to sleep until we get to that point where we can take it or we can leave it. I don't want to take it or leave it. God God is a consuming fire, and he wants to burn something on the inside of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Just lift your hands towards heaven. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you tonight. Let the very fire and power of the Spirit of God burn in the heart and life of each one of us. Let us not be content and satisfied with mediocrity. We don't want to be fatted calves in a stall that come to church trying to find out what it can do for us. But we want to come finding out what we can do for it and and through it, touch the world. We've got a city that needs you. We've got a nation that needs you. We've got a world that needs you. Seven billion people and half of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Have no idea who he is. And we're here inundated with all these resources. God, let that burn in every young person. Let it ignite in every heart until we say like Isaiah, Lord, here am I. Send me. Here am I. We go to our neighbor, we go to our colleagues, we go to those, our our neighbors, our friends, our family, those we work with, and we reach out. God, we thank you. Let that burn on the inside tonight. Let this be a memorable night that something will shift on the inside of us to where we'll never be the same again. I bless this church right now. Let C3 Monash have its greatest days. Let it explode with growth and salvation. Let healing and freedom ring from these walls all through this community. Let the people that walk in here sense the presence of God like never before. Let this church be known as a a healing place to the city of Canberra, to where people can come and have their needs met physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. God, let those that are distraught and have given up in this world find a place of miracles in this house. Lord, we believe that. We thank you that this church, we call this church to this greatest days that it's ever had, its most profitable days, its most influential days, that more ministers will be raised up, more outreaches will be raised up. And from this place, the nations will begin to hear of the name of Jesus. Lord, we believe that. We release that now by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him a shout. Give him a shout. Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.